0: D-Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, and if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. If you came for funny and informative fantasy content, then, man, we're here to do it for you. Your host, D. Mendy, here and in your ear, joined by some of the best in the business. On my screen, I see John Van Etten. What's up, buddy? Thanks for the compliment. Best in the business. Wow. Only for you, bud. And joining John, we have, of course, Eric Mendelson. How's it going?
1: It's going pretty well, man. Saw you in person today, now over the computer, so uh, quite a treat.
0: It's a, it's a lot in one day, I will say. And then joining us also, a guy that's been blowing up our Twitter recently, helping giving it some life, Bradley Kilgore. What's shaking?
2: Can't complain, man. Happy to be here. I got some hot takes. I'm ready to go. I
0: love it. And if you guys have been listening, you know we are in the next week of our preseason positional rankings as we are a month out from actual football. Last week we did our quarterback rankings. Today we'll be running through the running back position. As always, there's going to be controversy, differences in opinion, but each guy's going to get a chance to defend their rankings and. After that, we'll have our question of the week. Could you score on a running back dive from the one-yard line? And we might have a game sweep, but you guys will see at the end of the show. First, let's get to our news and notes. The Washington football team released Darius Geis on Friday after news of his arrest on domestic violence-related charges. Geis faces charges of one count of strangulation, three counts of assault and battery, and one count of destruction of property. Geis did turn himself in on Friday. And I just want to say first and foremost, for those that have followed us for a while, you know what Darius Guys has meant for our brand. He was our opening for the intro song. He was the pin tweet on our account. And we're not going to hide from all that, but we do want to say right now, uh, Triple Play Fantasy does not condone any of the alleged actions that are right now transpiring but you are innocent until proven guilty if he is guilty of course we hope the victim is okay they can live a normal life from here on out but we hope again that for garius Geis's sake that he can get the help he would need but i want to turn this back to fantasy brad this is your squad so yeah, regrettably <laughs> what are the fantasy implications of this backfield now
2: yeah i was never a huge fan of the redskins back or i guess the washington football teams Backfield. Um, I think there's a, a big too many cooks in the kitchen issue with the club. Um, if I had now to there's choose, one <laughs> there's one less cook now, but he's still got to beat out, you know, Adrian Peterson. You got JD McKissick. You got Antonio Gibson. Um, there's just a lot of things going on. Uh, if I had to choose one that I liked, I'd probably go with Antonio Gibson. And it's not because I think he's going to be a great running back. But if you look at the team last year, um, Chris Thompson was the second leading receiver on the team, and I think Antonio Gibson can fill that role. And if he's going to get five to ten targets a game in a PPR league, and he's going to have that running back designation, I think he's he's a he's a nice play to, to plug in your lineup.
3: John, what are your thoughts? Um, This developed really quickly. It it was interesting because normally we hear about allegations and investigations and this really just hit with one notification. So I don't know exactly if that means that it's more likely that it's true. I'd sort of lean that way. And of course, it's really troubling. Um, But from like sort of a a football perspective, it makes you wonder if uh, Adrian Peterson gets to sneak in one more 1000 yard season on his way out the door.
1: Eric, any differences in your opinion on this backfield? Yeah, well, touching on the guys thing, obviously, um, really bad news to hear, and um you know, he's meant a lot for us, but like you said, we don't condone that. It's interesting because Washington hasn't announced who their starting quarterback or their starting running back is. So it's kind of a head scratcher at this point. Um, I'm not particularly invested in the backfield at this point, maybe taking a later round pick on. AP or Gibson or even Peyton Barber, but I think this is just a situation to stay away from.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a very messy backfield. Um, Antonio Gibson had 77 touches in his entire college career at Memphis with only 44 carries, but he's not a small guy. I know Brad's referenced it before. He's six foot, uh, 220 pounds, has 44 speed. And one of the things interesting that I thought that came out was Washington's running back coach Randy Johnson said that he still needs to learn protections and know how to diagnose blissets. And you got to protect the quarterback. That's what number one thing that they want you to do, um, especially on third down. So he's going to be competing with AP, Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, and JD McKissick. So a lot of mouths there. A lot of cooks in the kitchen, as Brad was saying. So <clears throat> I'm interested to see if they're going to make him more of a gadget player rather than a fantasy-relevant number one back for that team. I feel like AP is going to be the first and second down back, and J.D. McKissick and Bryce Love have the edge for third down. So we'll see what happens, but one thing I did find interesting was that Ron Rivera has always gone running back by committee, and he's been very vocal about that with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, and then he also did that with Christian McCaffrey and, and uh, Jonathan Stewart early in, the, in CMC's career. So I'm interested to see how what he does with this backfield.
2: I will say, though, I don't think they're going to keep all five backs by the time the season starts. I'm sure they'll cut one or two.
0: Yeah, I think McKissick's gone. Maybe. I think I've heard they're very high on McKissick. So we'll, we'll, I think this will be an interesting discussion to talk about more when we get kind of more clarity with their roster. Lamar Miller has signed a one year deal with a team known as the Reclamation Projects, the New England Patriots. Miller was an effective back with the Texans before going down with an injury last year. Eric, you love talking about this backfield. Is there anything there?
1: Um, I w- the only one I feel safe with is James White. He's been a top twenty back the past couple of years in a PPR format. I think his role doesn't change. I've been very low on Sony Michelle, and this drops him even lower. I think he's gonna probably a good chance. Uh, he starts the season on the pup list. And with Lamar Miller, this isn't the same Patriots offense. Tom Brady's gone. Um, A lot of the people on the defense left. This is going to be a new-look Patriots. So, once again, I'm kind of fading this backfield. Maybe a late-round flyer, but not anything I'm investing heavily into. If you guys hear
0: loud booms, there is currently a giant thunderstorm going on as we're recording. And that was lightning
3: striking down Eric for that take. (laughs) I think you guys are building up Lamar Miller a little too much. He's 29. He's going to a new team, a new offense, in a compressed offseason. I really don't think he's as big of a threat to steal carries or playing time as you guys are building him up.
2: I'm, uh, I'm with John on that one. I think he, he might be in and out like Jeremy Hill was, um, and if he's not – I think it's really just going to push Sony Michelle down the draft boards and really make him more valuable for anybody that can draft him at a at a lower uh, round. Um, I think Lamar Hill or Lamar Miller is a very talented running back, but coming off an injury and you got you know James White, you got Sony Michelle, you got Rex Burkhead. Um, there's just too many people that he'd have to compete with, and I I think it's a long shot he makes a team.
0: Damian Harris too, but. My, yeah. my question then is Brad, if he's put on the, the pup list, would you still be drafting him? No. Okay. So you're not interested in Sony Michelle if he is on the pup list? No, no, there's no reason. Okay. Hard Knocks is back. The 15th season debuted last night on HBO with Hard Knocks Los Angeles looking at both the Rams and the Chargers in an offseason like no other. John, did you happen to watch?
3: No, I, I heard it was on last night, and I, I actually had to Google who was even appearing this season, and um, <laughs> Los Angeles Rams and Los Angeles Chargers did not entice me to watch um, at all. There's just, I, there's nothing that interests me about the offseason there. Who was
0: it last year? I, th- I think it was some small team out of Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, any team <laughs> that comes on after them is not going to be as entertaining.
3: knock on wood if you're with
0: me (laughs) eric did you watch uh
1: i have a confession i have not watched any episode of hard knocks ever i don't have hbo and maybe because the 49ers haven't really been on there i don't have the interest but uh if anyone has an hbo account and wants to hook your boy up uh you know definitely (laughs) sponsor
0: brad was live tweeting the show last night, so I felt like I was actually watching it when I woke up this morning. Brad, can you <laughs> tell us what was it like the first episode? So
2: I, I watch Hard Knocks religiously. Um, I love any behind the scenes sh- show. I love seeing how the sausage is made. To me, it's not really about the the teams that are on it this year. It's more so the the COVID story. How are they covering it? How is it different? Are the rookies able to learn? What's it like? Are they doing a good job? Are, you know, are we going to see outbreaks this year? And, uh, my initial takeaway is that it was, uh, it was just a lot of cotton swabs in the nose. It, there wasn't a lot of action. Um, there wasn't much to make of it. I had a blast watching it cause you know, I, football's back. I just, I just want to see football, but, uh, i think once we get into the second and third episodes we'll see more you know practices and we'll see more you know who's who's in the coach's heart
0: who do we like and i'm excited to see it play out will you be live tweeting every week for every episode from the show account no doubt no doubt Oh, <laughs> won't miss it speaking of not missing do you like what you're hearing so far Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show that you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about truly getting jiggy with it and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media, provide great daily questions, clapbacks, annoying gifts. And of course, our weekly episode drops. Don't be like the bandwagon Heat fans and only like us as the Heatles. Join us when we're in just the Dwayne Wade stage. Lastly, tell a friend about us who might actually put us in their ears on their ride to work. And thank you for keeping their minds off traffic. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, The Loyal Player, for your listens each and every week. Running back rankings. The triple play quad pod have their top 24 PPR rankings for running backs up. We're going to dissect them today. And then I think we're pretty sure who's going number one, but we're going to look in the top five surprises in the top 10 and then who to keep an eye on in the double digit rounds. Let us start, of course, at the top of the rankings. We all have Christian McCaffrey, number one shocker, but. I thought it was interesting that we also all had Saquon Barkley over Zeke, considering that that's kind of been a toss-up. Eric, why did you have Saquon over
1: Zeke? So for me, I think Saquon's going to have a little bit of a bounce back here. I know there was some disappointment last year with the high ankle sprain, but the Giants invested, I believe, their first and third and ra- first and third round pick on their offensive line. Saquon Barkley had only seven carries and in fought fi- inside the five last year. I see him getting more opportunity. And I don't think you have to worry about the running back handcuff as much. I know the backup for the Giants is Deion Lewis, and for the Cowboys it's Tony Pollard, who I think is actually a threat to cut into some of his touches. So, I think Barkley is going to be one of those rare workhorse backs that I love me some Tony Pollard. <laughs> <laughs> Pollard Sa- Sa- greens. Saquon's going to be a workhorse back, though, and I think he has something to prove after his somewhat of a down year for him last year. I agree, Tony Pollard or now, John, I
0: like Pollard Greens, is, uh, <laughs> oh, is a real oh. threat. He's a real threat. Pollard Greens. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting because I saw that Saquon has nine carries of 50-plus yards already in his career, and I think he has that explosive element to him, while Ziegum a little bit scared. He's a little touchdown dependent, and you have a three-headed monster, a wide receiver, with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. They're all going to want the ball and Dak Prescott's going to take the ball in from the goal line sometimes as well. So I, I'm just—so many mouths to feed there. It scares me taking Zeke at number two. I don't know if, if any of you guys—obviously, we all have Barkley over Zeke, but if there's any other reasons that we, that wasn't said.
1: Um, I love your dog, and his name is Zeke, so that was hard for me to put Barkley over him. You know what?
0: <laughs> I, I felt the same, Eric. I feel like I'm just, like, dissing my dog. We look at the rest of the top five, and we all, of course, have CMC, Zeke, and Barkley in there, but one thing that stuck out to me is, Brad, you have Austin Eckler at number two. Yes. Can you please explain why you have him at number two?
2: Absolutely. The narrative on Austin Eckler's season this year has really confused me. Um, For the first time in his career, he's going to be the clear-cut lead back, and it's not because of an injury. Um, Like Christian McCaffrey, he essentially plays two positions in running back and wide receiver. And during Melvin Gordon's holdout, only Christian McCaffrey scored more PPR points than Eckler. Um, I just think he's going to be a PPR beast, and I don't understand why he's so low on draft boards. I think he's going to be a shoe in for 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving in an Anthony Lynn offense. And him being so low on draft boards makes his value higher because you don't have to draft him in the first or second round, and you can fill out a more well-rounded team. So I really like Austin Eckler this year.
0: Those are some good points on Eckler, I agree. But one of the things that also stuck out to me was that you also have James Conner at five, Mr. Injury-prone himself. Can you explain why you think he's going to finish the year as a top five PPR back? I do,
2: yeah. I, I go into all these rankings kind of expecting everybody to make it through a full season. But James Conner is up there with Austin Eckler regarding people I think are disrespected on a consensus level. Last year, he was battling injuries and had bad QB play. I want to use his numbers from two years ago as a barometer, considering he's going to get Ben Roethlisberger back. So he started 12 games and ran for 1,000 yards and 500 through the air on 12 games. So the dude's elite. Um, there's a reason the Steelers were cool letting Le'Veon Bell walk. And I'm happy to draft him late and be fine with him as a running back one if,
0: if need be. If he has so, any type... Go Derek. Eric.
1: I like James Conner, and I definitely think he's he's due for a better year than last year. He is a little injury-prone, and I know people hate throwing that term around, but um, he hasn't been able to stay healthy for a full season. I also pulled out this stat the other day because I was talking about it with someone on Twitter. He has 363 career carries, and his longest run is 30 yards. And for a running back, if you don't have that breakaway potential... That worries me a little bit about how high the ceiling you have. Have you not seen his workout pictures, Eric? <laughs> I mean, he's ripped. He's a cancer survivor. I'm rooting for him, but just gotta gotta speak my opinion.
0: All, all David
3: does is watch players' off-season workouts and proclaim them as the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Haskins worked out with Chad Ochocinco. Book it. <laughs> 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 But I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, I do think James Conner is talented. I just at, for five, that's a little bit of a reach for me. But he did have a great year two seasons ago when Ben was healthy and no Le'Veon Bell, so he could do that again.
0: I and he's need-
2: also a guy that is not really gonna have a handcuff. Benny Snell's kind of his, his biggest competition there.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing is though with Austin Eckler, I will say this: I was really down on how high he was valued. And then we had Matt Money Smith from NFL Network on, who does radio for the Chargers, and he was in so insanely high on us, Austin Eckler, seeing him every day, and he says this guy is so much tougher than you think. He runs in between the tackles. He like he's going to shock the world this year even more than you realize. And when someone that's like watching them every day that works that closely with those type of players that works for NFL network. I, I do listen a little bit more to that. And if he was kind of boasting that much about him, it kind of intrigued me a little bit. So I don't know if I would put him at two, but it definitely changed my views of him. So Brad, that you were ahead of the curve with that one. There you go. Hot takes galore all the time. Let's move to something else in the rankings. Cause James Conner, five, and Austin Eckler, two, are pretty hot. But, John, so is Josh Jacobs at number four. Is this a Homer thing, or is this? do you have some big beliefs for this guy this year?
3: I've got huge beliefs for this guy. So he forced the most missed tackles uh, out of any running back last season. Guess how many tackles he forced people to miss? Guess. It's John's stat of the week. Uh, It's 69. It's 69 tackles. Uh, Nice. (laughs) And really, he has an insanely high floor rushing-wise. He's going to do the bulk of that work. And they're going to be mixing him in more in the passing game. I know John Gruden did some self-scouting, and not only did he reflect on his inability to, you know, score on goal line situations as much as he would like, which I think means that Josh Jacobs will be added in a little wrinkle there. You know, they also are trying to get away from the Jalen Richard is in for a pass play. Josh Jacobs is in for a run play situation that they run into. And (laughs) this is hot off the presses, you know, from training camp. Josh Jacobs set a goal for himself of 60 catches this year. A goal. And goals are meant to be broken, so I think he goes over.
0: (laughs) You know, I I did see that. And I do want to plug something real quick. If you check out something that I just actually wrote on Twitter, it was an article that's posted on fantasysportsdegens.com. And I picked basically three running backs that are going outside the top five that should give you first-round value, really high top-five value, pretty much. And one of the guys I put on there was Josh Jacobs. And I kind of just was looking more into just kind of his game. And and he had the number one grade from pro football focus last year at 87.1 over any other rookie. He was on pace, I've heard, before he got hurt to be third in yards and fourth in carries for all running backs. And this is a guy that John Gruden himself was actually really pissed off that he didn't get rookie of the year to the point where he guaranteed that he's going to make voters pretty much regret not giving him the number one rookie of the year spot last year. So when your head coach is pretty much guaranteeing that, to me, everybody's concerned about his passing game usage, but, John, you kind of hit it on the head. You just can't be predictable with having Richard for passing downs and Jacobs for running downs. I think he's going to be a lot more involved in the passing game. So, good and points. he's so
3: elusive once you get him out in the open field with you know screens
0: or swing passes. I mean, really, the sky's the limit there. Agreed. Let's move to someone else to tie in there. John, you also have Derrick Henry at 5 which in a PPR format is a little interesting. Can you explain that? I think you know it's it's consistency, and he's the workhorse, and he got a big
3: contract. So I think not only are they going to try and make sure that they get a good deal on the contract by giving him a lot of work on the ground, I think they're going to be including him more so in the passing game as well just because you don't pay somebody all that money to be one-dimensional.
0: That's a good point, Eric. I know you have him at number five as well. Is there anything you'd like to
1: add? Yeah, this is probably my last year that I'll have him at the and you know top consensus pick because I think his workload is going to catch up with him eventually, but he <laughs> did just get paid 16 touchdowns last year. You know when the Titans are in close that they're going to punch it in with him. He's a big bruising back, and his backup is Darrington Evans, who's a rookie that probably won't have the full offseason to get acclimated to the offense. And when Tannehill came in, I mean, that kind of sparked a plug. So, yeah, he's not going to have that pass catching upside that some of the other options do. But I think his rushing volume, he did lead the league in rushing yards last year, and touchdowns are going to make him worthy of a top pick.
0: I don't think anybody's going to be floored that you guys have him there. I think it will be interesting to see how it transpires in a PPR league, how much passing volume he'll get. But another guy you have actually, number three, we actually both share this in our rankings. Alvin Kamara who was a big disappointment last season Eric, you see him bouncing back in a big way this year.
1: yeah, so it's easy for me to want to drop him down my rankings just because he had his worst regression of touchdowns last year but I he's had 81 catches the past couple of years. he's in a contract year. he's supposedly healthy coming into the season. And I think it's Drew Brees' final year. They have a lot of potential shootout games playing the Bucks and Falcons twice, the 49ers, Chiefs, and Vikings. So I think he's going to get a lot of work. Um, he's going to get a lot of scrimmage yards, both passing and rushing, or receiving and rushing. So, you know, I just think him being healthy, you know he's going to get a lot of touches.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because it's documented that after week six, Alvin Kamara his all his numbers went down like crazy. And it came out pretty recently that he was playing all the rest of the year with a torn MCL and it did not require surgery. But when you're playing with a torn MCL, obviously that's going to impact your explosiveness. It's going to impact your cutting. It's going to impact your overall, just your running game in general. And this is a guy that had averaged double digit touchdowns each of the first few years of his career. And last year was a career low with six. So I do expect a bounce back from him, and I think he is going to give you significant value. And that's why, even <clears> though he's burned me personally, I do think he has—I have him at number three as well. And I think he's going to give top three running back value this year. But let's move—one thing I will say before we get out of the top five. I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire five. If you've been listening to this podcast, <laughs> by now I've, I've made myself blue in the face of why I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire so much. And if you missed it, either you can listen to previous pods of me just loving him and backing him up, or you can read my article on Fantasy Sports DGEN's plug number two. Let's move on. This is another situation where David sees an off-season workout video and goes gaga.
1: <laughs> also, <laughs> also, I don't even to, need to. Also, feel free to tweet David. He'll probably send you multiple tweets in response about why he loves Clyde.
0: I just, they just can read the article. I'll, I'll let my writing do the talking. Let's move to other players in the top 10. And Dalvin Cook, the first name that caught my eye, Eric, you have him number 14, with the rest of us having him 6 through 8. Why is he so low for you?
1: So Kevin Stefanski's gone, and I know uh, Gary Kubiak runs a run-heavy offense as well. But I think when you have a new coach, that there's going to be a little bit of a change in game plan. Kirk Cousins did sign an extension this offseason, so I think it's going to be more of his team. Dalvin Cook has missed 13 games in the last three seasons, obviously. Um, One was for the ACL, but also some soft tissue injuries, which can be reoccurring. Last year, 15 carries inside the five, which was third most in the league. He had 13 touchdowns in 14 games, which I see being hard to repeat. His, he had under 4.5 yards per carry in all seven games after Week 7. So, hot start, but kind of started cooling off. And with Stephon Diggs gone and the D worse, I see it being more of a passing game script. I think uh, Diggs took a lot of attention away from the defense, and um, you know they're probably going to stack the box more. Not to mention, Alexander Madison looks pretty good.
0: So, before I move to another person to help comment on this. Eric, how far would he have to slip before you would draft him? Are you taking him in the second round at all?
1: Um, I would take him at the end of the second round, assuming it's a really running back heavy draft. But in a in a perfect or in my ideal scenario, if I could get him in the mid third round, I that's where I would feel yeah. comfortable.
0: I don't think I'm he's actually, slipping to the
2: third. I'm actually with Eric on this one. I kinda look at it in terms of tiers and My one through seven rankings are all tier one, and then I have Dalvin Cook at eight, and he's probably, he starts with my tier two, but I kind of lean closer to Eric there. I think Alexander Madison is so good that they might have to give him more touches, especially with Dalvin being vocal about his discontent with his contract. And I'll admit he was electric before he got hurt last year, but losing Steph Diggs is really going to hurt them. And if you can neutralize Adam Thielen and stack the box, the Vikings offense becomes a lot less scary. I think he has a great floor, but I don't love his upside with the moves the Vikings made this offseason.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody can sit here and, and argue Dalvin Cook being incredible this year. I think you're hoping that he's somewhat near what he was last year, but there's all these factors against him. I think you're weighing on the talent just pushing through all the doubt. And I think he's such a viable player. He could be a top three running back this year like he was last year before he got hurt. Or right. like like Eric, had. He, Eric has him as an RB2. He could be an yeah. RB2. It's very interesting. He's a kind of a, a very high outcome player this year. Uh, another guy we have in there, Miles Sanders. Brad, you have him 18 with by far the lowest rankings of all of us. I have him as high as seven. How come you were so low on Miles Sanders?
2: Yeah, it was less about him and more about everybody else. Um, the way I look at it is similar to how I looked at Carson Wentz rankings with the QB rankings. Um, I just think that uh, Doug Peterson likes to, he does he does running back by committee, and I don't see where Miles, Miles Sanders fits in with all that. And if I'm going to take a running back high, I want to have confidence that he's going to get touches through the air and on the ground and, Uh, Or at least be the workhorse back, and I don't know if that's going to be Miles Sanders.
0: Well, I I do have him at number seven, so the one thing I will say is he was the first running back in the history of a Doug Peterson offense to have 1,000 yards in his rookie year, 1,000 yards rushing. They didn't add any running backs in the draft, which I was happy to see. Boston Scott, I know, is there and it's going to take some work, but I, I really do feel, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's Miles Sanders' season, as everybody that's in the fantasy community seems to think, but I, I do think he is a very good low-end RB1 value. I, I don't know how comfortable I'd be taking him with my first pick in the draft,
2: Exactly. but,
0: but I, I do think that if you can get him in the second round, I think he has potential to provide good value there. I have him as my RB7, which again, kind of, you know, looking maybe hopefully, kind of on the turn for the one-two, trying to get him. If you have a late-round pick around there, to pair him with somebody else that's been more established, I think is good. But another guy I do want to talk about, Joe Mixon, John, he's not ranked in your top twenty-four. <laughs> no sir, can you explain why?
3: <clears throat> well, because there's just a lot. Your everybody who is very high on him this year is extrapolating a lot out of what it ended up only being three or four games at the end of last season, uh, which you know half of them aren't even in the fantasy playoffs. He was almost irrelevant and would lose you games at the beginning of the year. And I think for a top running back that you pick, that's the one thing you don't want. You don't want your running back to lose you fantasy games because it's the most important
0: position. So let me combat that. I have a lot of numbers, but let me first say this is I have heard – that it was during their bye week at the last year, kind of it w- it kind of clicked for Zach Taylor that he needed to utilize his best weapon at that time, use him more, and that's kind of when things changed. They kind of changed their game plans over the bye week and and gave him the ball a lot more, and that's when things developed. It was his first year in that system, so I think that you know people can say oh it was only for part of the season, but I think that's when I think that's actually a theme for what can carry over with this system. Last year he had a 76% and 56%. That's his 76% is his snap percentage and 56% is his touch percentage the last few weeks of last year. Having AJ Green and Joe Burrow back in this offense I help I feel is going to not only be able to stretch the field having AJ Green there. They have a bunch of weapons that they on that team Tyler Boyd So doesn't
3: that impact his touch percentage?
0: No, because because I'm not worried about someone else in the backfield. Giovanni Bernard's going to take some passing down work, but I don't think enough to be relevant. I think he's the guy in the backfield, and I see that team as someone that's going to run the ball on first and second down to kind of have the defense kind of just clog up and then stretch the field with the vertical threat. He had 25 carries and over 100 yards up basically three of the last four games last year and had at least 25 touches in all those games. And again, I, I, that he literally had this only behind Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, and Zeke last year. And I really do think that that was the, the flip of a switch. And I'm very, very high on Joe Mixon this year. You have a, the best quarterback he's ever played with and a young head coach that's an offensive mind. I think they're going to get him the ball. And I think he's going to give you top six running back value.
2: So you would take him in your second round?
0: Yes, 100%. He's he's my number six running back. So um, I have no problem taking him in the second round.
3: I think it's really interesting that you you try and look at only four games out of an entire season, which your season could already be over, and then say, and there's a new quarterback, and there's a new offense, and there's a new receiver, you know, where I'm banking on him to get all these touches. I just think it's a it's an awful lot of you – praying and hoping that he gets 25 carries a game to be relevant. And he's not going to be there third down.
1: So I like Joe Mixon, um, and I think he made a lot of good points. I think I have him as my running back seven. But I think it's a little bit crazy to say he's going to play with the best quarterback of his career when Joe Burrow hasn't taken a snap and had one really good college season. I mean, Andy Dalton, I know people like to poop on him for being the red rifle, but he was an above-average quarterback for a you know, decent amount of years in the league. I mean, it's, it may be exaggerating to say that
0: already. I agree, but I think Joe Burrow's potential, and I think people are going to respect Joe Burrow like they didn't respect Andy Dalton. And the one thing people that aren't talking about is Joe Burrow has basically had their playbook and their system for a while. So I, And I do think that he's going to be comfortable with it, but one point I did hear everybody mention is, hey, he hasn't had a chance to throw with his receivers. So when the season starts they have to give the ball to Mixon because he hasn't had any chance to get reps. He's not going to have any preseason games to get reps. So who are you going to have to turn to, to give the ball to, to kind of get you going and to be able to help make it easier for you to throw. You give the ball to the running back. That's been there for three years. So that's, that's another point of why I think he's going to get a lot more work is because Burrow hasn't even had a chance to work with his receivers. Just, that's my two cents on that, but let's, let's move to another guy. And this guy Interestingly enough, Brad and John, you are really high on Chris Carson. You have him up at John. You have him at ten, and Brad, you have him at nine. So, John, I'll start with you first. Can you tell me why you have Chris Carson so high? It's efficiency,
3: and we know that maybe Seattle would like to try to get in to pass it a little bit more. But at the end of the day, they they love to run the ball. I'm not super scared of Rashad Penny and. Like we've said before, if you can get a workhorse in this day and age, you go with the workhorse because they're going to get more, more touches and more time, unless they're Joe Mixon, then I have a problem with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and We're going to be fighting on Joe Mixon all year. <laughs> and I'm, I'm with John
2: 100% there. I think the injuries turn people off of Carson, but I'm willing to take the risk at his ADP. I think he's going to be their workhorse back. And we have no reason to be high on DJ Dallas or Rashad Penny. And you can stack the box against Russell Wilson or he'll torch you. Um, He doesn't have the pass catching upside, which I don't love. But with where you can draft him and he can get a lot of value, you know, via TDs. So I, I just think he's a very efficient back and you can count on him week in and week out.
0: You're not scared of the running back that never seems to go away, Carlos Hyde, being there? No, no,
2: he's... He's a great player, and he, I'm sure he's going to have some games where he's like an annoying touchdown vulture. But uh, you gotta, you got to project with what they've done in the past, and I think Chris Carson's really efficient.
0: Okay, fair. I mean, I don't have him ranked in my top 24, and Eric, you have him at 19. So I like that we're very volatile in our rankings. It's a lot of differences here, which is good. Again, we can see who hits the most of these. So we'll have these documented, obviously, all year. Another one I want to bring up, Eric, Nick Chubb, you have him at number nine. No one else has him higher than 13 and some even lower, closer to 20. Why are you so high
1: on Nick Chubb? All right, so I want to shout out uh, Jeff Mueller because he posted some great stats. Last year, uh, I think we can all agree, Freddie Kitchens was not a great head coach. The Browns scored 1.84 points per drive, which was 22nd in the NFL. Um, now they're going to get Kevin Stefanski. Last year in the red zone or inside the twenty, running backs had forty nine point five percent of looks. The Browns thirty one point seven percent of looks. Some Nick Chubb stats. Or last year their offensive line was ranked twenty third. Now they're projected to be six with additions of Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Some Nick Chubb stats from last year. He was second in rushing yards when Kareem Hunt came. He was uh, running back 15, so still uh, in the top 20. He had double-digit carries every game, and I believe that he's going to be the goal line back. I think Nick Chubb is a talented runner, and I think um, Cleveland wants to be an offensive juggernaut this year. So story time, guys. So fun fact, we recorded this
0: yesterday, this whole show, and it saved it as a screenshot and not as a video. So we're doing this for a second time today. And it makes it that much sweeter to say the same stat to Eric that I said yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, Eric, you know Nick Chubb rushed 15 times inside the five last year for negative 14 yards with two touchdowns. So he scored on only two of those 15 carries with negative 14 yards. This is not a guy I'm handing the ball to when it gets close. I'm giving it to the other guy that's a pro bowler on that roster, Kareem Hunt.
3: And, Eric, I do want to say you said Nick Chubb was 15th when Kareem Hunt came uh, came back to the Browns. I think he showed you what he's going to be this year. I have him ranked 15th. He's probably going to be the 15th best running back like he was last year with Kareem Hunt.
1: Well, A, I'm not a huge Kareem Hunt fan because I don't think that he's going to be with the team the entire year. I don't think he's that smart. Nick Chubb did have eight touchdowns last year, but I think the 15 carries show commitment to give him the ball in close, and I think with an improved offensive line, I I get what you're saying, 15 carries for negative 14 yards, that's awful, but I think something like that you have to judge on a year-to-year situation.
0: I think the thing that scares me about Nick Chubb is he wasn't already getting a lot of catches. I don't have it in front of me how many catches he was getting with Kareem Hunt when he was playing, but he was never on third down. Kareem Hunt was always the pass-catching back, and he's a good third. He's probably the best third-down running back that there is out there right now. Uh, And to me, when you have someone that's a Pro Bowl-level running back that you're playing with, I'm scared. I'm scared when you're recently not getting catches and if your rushing efficiency isn't there, especially like we saw last year, if you're not scoring from the five-yard line in, they have another guy they can bring in. And if Kareem Hunt starts actually converting those, then Nick Chubb is going to be a 20-20 to 20 guy. And then Kareem Hunt's going to be in there when it counts. So,
2: I will say, uh, in Eric's defense, I think the consensus is that you should be afraid of Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt's so good. And if he falls, falls, falls down the draft board, you can get a lot of value out of drafting Nick Chubb.
0: That's a fair point. I, I think there's a certain point where you're like, okay, where is it worth the risk for me? And right now he's ranked, I think, to where most people are. are I guess in, Eric, in Eric's case, it's not too high for him. But you have to feel comfortable where you draft him, knowing that there's those red flags there. But bad, you're right. If he booms, then he's going to be giving you insane value. So. It's not to
3: the same extent, but at least in our drafts, it reminds me of when Jonathan Stewart was on the Panthers and everybody would avoid him, avoid him, avoid him until somebody said, fine, I guess I'll take the bullet
2: I'll <laughs> <have Jonathan> Stewart.
0: <laughs> exactly. Facts. Well, let's move to another guy. Brad, you have Devin Singletary, number 12, and the Actually, rest of us are on. sleeping on him. Before, before
2: we go to 12, I want to highlight my last, my last guy in my top 10, because he's getting no love. Okay. All right. Le'Veon Bell. So, one down year after taking a year off of football and with a completely new team. Like, I'll take my chances on Le'Veon Bell. He was literally one of the most electric fantasy running backs of all time with the Steelers. And when he can't get it going on the ground, they'll dump it off to him through the air. Um, the downside is that Sam Darnold doesn't actually scare any defenses, so it's hard for Bell to get it going on the ground against a stacked box and I think we saw that last year so it's a high risk pick but if you can get him in the mid rounds he's going to be in your lineup every single week
0: he's a definition of a high floor low ceiling guy I guess if if, you know if if things work his way I I think we're interested to see if if he's truly done or not but in a PPR league if he's getting all the catches that you expect him to get it that's it could be a good value there I think people are just concerned that his efficiency isn't there anymore and that uh, the good thing is for him is they don't really have a great guy behind him that's nipping at his heels to take the job. So He's
2: the workhorse, uh, and they don't really have a great wide receiving core. I just think he's going to be the, the main tool that they have to utilize if they're going to have any success this year.
0: Why don't, while we're st- with you, why don't you start talking about Devin Singletary as well, because you have him way higher than any of our, us do in our rankings.
2: I do. Um A lot of my Devin Singletary value comes from uh, white Cam Newton. Uh,
3: (laughs) That's a lot of my – where I have a lot of Devin Singletary hate is from um, bad Cam Newton, Josh Allen. Yeah, Yeah, man. Like, uh,
2: Josh Allen, I think he's – he can be frustrating if you have Devin Singletary because he's going to vulture a lot of your touchdowns. But I think he – he really moves the ball down the field. Devin Singletary doesn't really have a handcuff. I guess you could say Zach Moss. But aside from him, um, I'm not really scared of anybody taking his touches. Um, he, you can utilize him through the air and on the ground. Uh, it's, he's, just, he's kind of their Swiss Army knife, and I just really like him. I, I think if you're going to have your guys in you know, your top 15, they've got to be guys that in a PPR league that they're going to get catches as well. And he's that guy. And Devin Singletary, is also known to, to break a few yards for break a few carries for 20 yards plus. And I, I just really like him. I think he's really undervalued.
0: Brad, the one thing I will have you further explain on is how do you feel about? Obviously, Zach Moss is there, expected to take the Frank Gore role of 100-ish touches. Uh, you know, probably going to be some uh, goal line vulture. You have Josh Allen's a goal line vulture. And you have it yeah. now you have the first time in in recent memory you have a legit wide receiver one that's going to want the ball in this offense in which they didn't really have John Brown's a great receiver but that's he's not the pro. type of guy that that demands the ball. And that's, that's a pro gonna, to me.
2: That's like think, that's not a con. No, I, I think because they have uh, Steph Diggs now, he's going to spread the field, stretch the field, and you can't put eight in the box. Like I, I think that makes him more effective on the ground.
0: Okay, I mean it's. It definitely has PPR appeal because he is the pass-catching back, and he was effective, had a great yards per carry last year. So we will see if he does give top 12 value, RB1 value. Next guy I want to touch on, and this will be the last guy before we kind of wrap things up, Kenyon Drake. John, you are by far the highest on Kenyon Drake as an RB1 at number 12. Brad doesn't even have him ranked. No, I got and- him at eleven. <laughs> I was going to oh, say, wow. <laughs> when we recorded this last night,
3: Brad was on my side. Yeah. <laughs> I totally, that's, that's
0: funny. Okay, well, John, I'm going to have you defend Kenyan Drake. And then, Eric, I know you're a very big anti-Kenyan Drake guy, so you can respond after him.
1: Yeah, I'm more of a Josh guy.
0: <laughs> well,
3: I mean, we saw what he did once he, he got over to, um, to Arizona uh, last year, and then we know that it's going to be that type of offense that you know is is short passing, and I think that helps him in a PPR uh, for certain because he'll be out doing routes, he'll be out doing screens, he'll he'll be getting catches and being involved in in this uh, this run and shoot offense.
0: Eric, counter.
1: So for me, uh, Kenyon Drake Wabba has fed never. Him. What? Wabafedim. <laughs> <laughs> Kenyon Drake uh has never had two hundred touches in a season, even dating back to his college days. So I don't think he's gonna have that workhorse capability. When with his eight games with the Cardinals, he had three games that were over hundred yards, and two of them were weeks fifteen and sixteen in the fantasy playoffs, which I think really caught people's eye and, and bumped his stock up. So so there. that
3: argument doesn't that argument works for Joe Mixon, but not for Kenyon Drake.
1: I mean, I have Kenyon Drake ranked but I just think this is going to be Kyler Murray's offense. I think it's he's going to be thrown a lot, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, there's a reason they traded for him. I'm also a big Chase Edmonds believer. I think it, it's probably going to be more of a 65-35 backfield split. So while Kenyon Drake's nice, I just don't have the confidence in him um, just because I haven't seen the large sample size.
2: So Eric, why is it that you believe in Chase Edmonds more than Kareem Hunt, who's honestly shown that he's kind of if given the opportunity he can be like a top five back in the
1: league well so for me kareem hunt it's it's somewhat about his performance um i think the chiefs he was a top five back with them because of that offense and we've seen running backs like damian williams who's really good but have a higher ceiling because he plays with mahomes and and andy Reid. but for chase edmonds i look back to his start last year where he had 28 touches for 150 yards and three touchdowns against the Giants, and that was his only start. And I just see a unique burst of speed from him. And the fact that he has fresh legs, I think that um, you know, he's going to be able to compete more and, and get more touches than um, Kareem Hunt. And I think it's going to be a higher scoring offense than the Browns are.
0: One thing I have Kenyon Drake at 16 as well, and he was a guy that was never the man in college, and he was never the man in Miami. He had to, he shared the load there. Last year was his first year being the man, and I'm a little worried that he. I don't. I think there's a reason teams did that. I'm wondering just if he can hold up. He's not a big guy. I'm wondering if he can hold up a full season's workload being the guy. And the fact that he's, you know, he was traded. The fact that the Dolphins. I mean, I know it's the Dolphins, but they didn't utilize him as as much as he's being utilized in arizona i just think it's there's something fishy to me and if he slips that's one thing but most people have him as a potential first round or early second round pick and i'm not touching him there that to me i'm the type of guy that i need to see a longer track record of things for the most part if you've been in the league a few years and uh, to me i'm You love Clyde Edwards, the lad. Yeah, but those are (laughs) rookies rookies are a different thing to me. If you've been in the league a few years and haven't been, ain't doing blank, then I need to see you do it consistently. I think your
3: hesitance comes from the Dolphins being the Dolphins, and they've shown that with a few players that they are just not using them correctly. Over, David, over if, few seasons. if
1: we ever have Kenyon Drake on, you can introduce him by saying, how did it feel to be the man?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I stopped doing that because you guys made fun of me too much. <laughs> Let's wrap this conversation up. I'll start with John. Give us somebody ranked outside the top 10 that people need to keep their eyes on for the running back position.
3: Well, as his self-appointed agent, uh, I appointed myself. He didn't appoint me. Uh, <laughs> I am a big believer in Raheem Mostert. All offseason, I was saying they need to pay the man. They went and paid the man. And now I'm telling you, you need to draft the man. Are you the Niners fan or is that Eric? No, no, no. I'm I'm the Raheem Mostert fan. I'm no Jimmy G fan.
0: I'm no Bosa fan. (laughs) (laughs) Brad, who are you looking at outside the top 10?
2: I'm going to go with my number 16 guy. He's getting all the hate in the world. Nobody likes him. There's like, I don't know, maybe five to seven workhorse backs in the league. And Leonard Fournette's one of them. I, I, I just think he's a, he's a guy that's going to get all the carries he can handle. And really, last year, he started to get some, some uh, touches through the air as well. Um, the only problem is Jacksonville's terrible. So after the third quarter, he's not going to touch the ball again. So um, that's the downside there. But, you know, if – some reason if for some reason they're actually good next year, I think Leonard Fournette is gonna be somebody you can draft really low and he's gonna provide a lot of value for you.
0: Is there not anybody seen more as damaged goods than Leonard Fournette? I feel like he's literally that that type of thing that's being passed around that nobody wants and you're like stuck Le'Veon with Bell. him.
2: Maybe Le'Veon Bell. But aside from him, I'd, I'd probably yeah, you're right. Leonard Fournette's just he's consensus, everybody hates him. And I don't they, I don't really get it.
0: They got Sir Bradley Kaye backing them up though.
2: <laughs> there you go, that's all you need, man
0: <laughs> Eric, who's your guy?
1: So he's my number 10 And I have him higher than most But David Johnson, so last year 4.6 yards per carry before getting hurt In week 6 But the first 6 weeks, he had 6 plus catches In 4 out of 6 games I know that there's a concern about his workload But he has 780, 781 Career carries, so that that's less Than Derrick Henry, Todd Gurley Melvin Gordon, Giovanni Bernard one of the years he missed was for a fractured wrist or dislocated wrist, so uh, you don't have to worry about that being a leg injury. He has over 400 receiving yards in three out of his four full seasons, and he has 48 touchdowns through the air and ground in those four seasons, so somebody that has a nose for the end zone. He was the main piece that Bill O'Brien traded for, and even though we can all agree he's terrible, I think he's going to want to try to prove all he would, why he was right in that trade.
0: I'm kind of mixed on David Johnson. I think you see Bill O'Brien gets so much rightfully so for his so much, you know, problems for his personnel moves, but he's not a bad coach. And if you look at it, it, Carlos Hyde had a thousand yards there last year. Lamar Miller, I think, has been mediocre for years, has had a couple thousand yard seasons. I don't I think that you can get a thousand yards in that Texans backfield. They're a very vertical passing team. And Deshaun Watson is such a threat that I think the running back is able to kind of excel more in that system. We didn't get the chance to see it long enough with David Johnson and Kyler Murray last year. I think there's a lot of bounce back potential with David Johnson. But you're worried, did he lose it? You know, when you basically miss an entire season, uh, you've seen sometimes, I mean, he played one game and broke his wrist. And the amount of guys that miss an entire season and come back and they don't look quite the same. So I think there's, a, I think it's going to be one of those things again, what value are you getting him at? But I think he has the potential to be a, a top 10 guy like you have, Americ. So um, it'll be interesting to see. My guy, Jonathan Taylor, I have him number 11. I have him as an RB1. I love my rookies. I love my rookie running backs. <laughs> I'm very specific which ones, but Jonathan Taylor had, a ton of carries in college. And yes, I'm not as fan as much in dynasty for that reason, but redraft, I'm all for it. Redraft. I think he's going to be, you have arguably the best offensive line that he's going to be running behind. You have an aging quarterback. That's going to like to hand the ball off and run clock with a defense that they built a lot throughout the draft. You have receivers led by T Y Hilton, who is been incredibly injured the last few years. It doesn't look anything like he used to, you have Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman. It, it's such a questionable wide receiver core. This is the type of team that I see trying to go the Dallas Cowboys approach. Run the ball, run the ball, kill clock, and then start just clamping down on defense and using your amazing offensive line just to just control the game. And this is the guy that I think is the right guy to do it. And I think he's, he's going to be an insane value. I would love to get him as my RB2 or even better yet my flex if I'm able to.
2: I will say Jonathan Taylor is also great at fumbling, and they don't love that in the NFL. <laughs> it's
0: a fair point. I think the one thing that I'm glad you brought that up is he was really bad fumbling in college, but I think everybody that follows football n- knows this, which means he's probably been told this a million times by Colts coaches, and I am guarantee this offseason that's probably the number one thing he's probably working on is learning how to carry the ball the right <laughs> way, high and tight. And I
3: guarantee all the linebackers and defensive backs are being told that he's fumble prone too, and they'll yeah, be looking exactly. at that ball. And <laughs> yeah. they're all bigger and they're all bigger and stronger than they were in college.
2: I mean, Jonathan Taylor's
0: a big guy and runs a four-four forty. So I mean, I think you're putting
3: an awful lot of eggs in a uh, a backup running back running back basket on this one. I,
0: I think. I mean, again, Marlon Mack is to me is just a guy. I'm not. A, what? I've never been. A, what? I've, never, <laughs> I've, I've never been a Marlon Mack fan. I'm, I think he. His stats get inflated because he was getting a lot of touchdowns. i have never been a big Marlon Mack guy. I think so, so he was. Oh,
3: he was only doing the most important part of the game. Exactly. What a schmuck!
1: They exactly. hit a, a thousand yards last year. I, I'm exactly. Gonna, I'm not hit a Marlon a big Against guy. the Chiefs, I already
0: saw that they came out and said it's going to be a fifty-fifty share between them, and that's before no, they, said, they said they said
2: they're going to go with the hot hand. And nice. Marlon Mack is going to get more carries. He's more likely to be that end.
0: Who do you guys think? All right, let's, let's have a pod bet here right now. Who do you guys think at the end of 16 games, who has more carries? Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor? Marlon
1: Mack, easily. Marlon
0: Mack, easily. Jonathan easily. Taylor
1: because Marlon Mack will get hurt.
0: Jonathan Taylor. Okay, it's, it's documented. <laughs> we are revisiting this at the end of the season. Jonathan there Taylor. Is a season. Yes, let's, let's hope there is a season. But otherwise, great discussion. I don't know.
2: A- Hard Knocks look pretty good. I think there's going to be a season. Everybody's got their sanitizer. Well, Jerry
3: Jones said he'll he'll just open the doors to the stadium and let people watch. <laughs> like he didn't have his best player possibly get COVID already.
0: <laughs> it's going to be nuts, especially because games are now a month away. This That's crazy. Every day, it's, it's going to be under 30 days. And it sounds like everything's a go, so... We'll find out. We'll see what happens. But great discussion. Let's move to our question of the week. John, who are we not sponsored by this week? And also before you say that, this might be the last week we actually don't have an official sponsor because that may be changing. Coming up, we'll keep you all updated. So go ahead, John. (laughs) Well, we're not
3: sponsored by streaming services. There's so many of them, but they're so convenient and they're so awesome. I've got Hulu, non-commercial Hulu. Hulu. It was the best, you know, 12 bucks I ever spent. You save so much time. The only issue is there's so many streaming services, HBO, Disney Plus, Netflix, you know, Hulu. So one of them needs to give us a call and have us advertise so I can tell the people which one's the
0: correct choice. I like it. Can you, uh, you know, tell me what the experience is like when you have all this stuff, that you don't have ads or commercials? It, it's great. It makes up for, uh, I have very basic cable. So I don't, I don't get uh
3: ESPN or you know or Fox Sports. I get Telemundo, NBC Universo, and ESPN Deportes. So all my sports are in Spanish.
0: <laughs> How's your Spanish? Could be better. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd say like muy bien or something. No, Excelente. no, it's too
3: easy. It's too easy.
2: <laughs> we can edit our, that
0: in. <laughs> our question this week: If you took a handoff from the one-yard line would you score Eric start with you for this question
1: uh my only chance is if I had the Indianapolis Colts offensive line and maybe I like hide maybe behind Jonathan the line. Taylor's
0: offensive line
1: <laughs> and maybe <laughs> maybe since I'm five five, I like crawl through the center's legs or something that's yeah. the only chance I have
0: <laughs> so basically if you get stopped once you're probably done if
1: I get stopped once I'm probably dead
0: fair uh John what about
3: you well uh the when we did this la recorded this last night I said absolutely not I still think absolutely not but with a slight wrinkle maybe if you know just like you see it in movies like they just pick me up and take me across the line you know one of the big strong fullbacks or something just forces me through the line it'll hurt but I'll get the touchdown um because I you said four chances, you only get one because if you lose yards, you're not gaining yards back at that point. you You pretty much have yeah. one shot at this uh, yeah <laughs> i'm with john
2: I'm with John on that reason, but slightly different i think uh I think I might could possibly maybe possibly score if I'm like diving under the uh the center, but uh if I get hit if I don't score on the first down and I get hit and I feel that pain, it's a rat. Like, I'm, I'm going to be too terrified to ever try to score again. So you got to score on the first down or it's, or it's done.
0: That's fair. And I think we, we're all very clear. None of us are going to score on a sweep to the outside. We're not <laughs> fast enough. But what you guys are forgetting is I'm, we're going to use, I, I'm going to use the triple play fantasy emergency funds. And I'm going to pay every offensive lineman enough to get a Rolex watch. And then I'm also going to pay the fullback. So that he can lead the way for me, and when they have a no, if I score. They have a Rolex watch coming their way. They're gonna block twice as hard, and then I'll have a touchdown to my name. We may be out of our emergency funds for the show, but you say <laughs> your host scored a touchdown, so it's a trade-off. Is we workout. have emergency
1: funds? <laughs> yeah, what, if, what, if, what if the defense says, "Hell no, we're not letting this five-seven white boy score on us," and they're more motivated than the offensive lineman by the for the Rolex watches. I'll tell and them what that. I'll...
3: If I start paying them when Rolex is the defensive line. Now, we, now we're at a cross. I don't
2: think you guys know how much Rolexes
3: cost.
0: I figure they were like I like $1,000.
3: I've never looked.
0: <laughs> you know this 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 endless emergency fund that this, you know, podcast has.
1: How about how about Rolex watches sponsors us and then gives enough for lineman?
0: There we go. See that's thinking. I like it. Rolex
3: sponsor us. I just need somebody to pick me up and carry me across the line, and then I got it. It's romantic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen it officer sir, and a gentleman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as we already said, we had a game originally yesterday. We recorded it, and it was fun. However, we all know the game now. We all know the answer. So we're not doing a game the second time around. I just want to say that we hope, Everybody subscribes. Everybody gives us five stars. Everybody gives us some nice ratings. Let us know you're enjoying the content. We recorded the same exact show all over again the next day just to make sure we could get one out same day for you guys this week. Our listens have gone up each and every week. We've really been uh, blowing up a little bit, a lot more than we thought. So we were happy to record it a second time. Just obviously, that's the reason we don't have a game, but we want to make sure that people that are interested in listening every week that we had this for you. So we greatly appreciate it. Keep leaving your positive reviews for us. Keep writing us on Twitter. You know our boys, Brad and Eric. will always write you back.
3: For the and, record, uh, David got zero in the game last
0: night, and I came out with the win. I just want that on the record. I got point .5 because I said Packers running back, and it was Jamal Williams. I think I had one Uh,
1: Packers running back is not his name. It's his occupation. David, you got zero. (laughs) I think that's a 0.5
0: anyway. We'll we'll let the audience judge. I'm (laughs) sure it'll be accurate.
1: That new poll coming up. All
0: right. Well, on that (laughs) note, we will catch you all next week for our wide receiver rankings. Three weeks away from football at that point. Again, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you leave us five-star review, a rating. Appreciate it. Catch you all next week. Be safe. We out. Peace.